Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with Martin Busy Beaver Willis. <laughs> That's me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, in a way, you almost you could pull off kind of a comic uh, cartoon beaver kind of guy. <laughs> You're a little bit beaverish looking. You don't have the well, big teeth, but if you did, you know, you got kind of puffy cheeks, and you're you're kind of a yeah, you I know, sort of have the the chipmunk thing going on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you yeah. can see it. But who doesn't like a chipmunk? You know exactly. Well, a beaver in this case, and I guess they're similar. I think in facial features, but they are. Uh, no, people love beavers. That's a compliment in my world. I'm a huge animal lover. I think people know I'm a vegetarian because of my love for animals. I see them mostly on par with with humans. No reaction. I do too. I, oh, you do. I, I do. Yes. Uh, I. I. Um. Uh. As you know, you know how I felt about my dog. Uh, it's just. Uh. It's like part of the family, and uh, I think they're 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 in ways uh, more nobler than uh, a lot of the human species are. If you ask me. I agree. I think the range of, of, uh, I guess. The way people act uh, can delve from better to worse than animals, and um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I'm just uh, I'm a huge advocate of animals, all of them, and and of course, so sorry for your loss. Um, yeah, but thank you. Let's get into the news. Um, well, not the news. Let me tell you who my guest is first. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. I should probably say, I, I was hesitant on how much I should talk about it because I know it's so difficult. But I guess I should mention for the listeners that unfortunately Peanut has passed away. And what was sad is that I don't know if you noticed this. We talked about him on the last show the That's day right. I think before it happened or or soon before it happened. So when the the show aired, and I noticed it when I was putting together the show, we were talking about him, and it was just. Um, it was really sad. So it was unfortunate that we uh, – obviously you can – we talk about him so much because he was so cool. But um, just – Yeah, uh, he, was, uh, he was in the car with me just hours. That was just hours before um, his heart, you know, basically had a heart failure. And I revived him once and couldn't revive him a second time. Um, yeah. And But he was just uh, – he was just in the car with me when we were talking on the show just a couple of hours before that happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but thank so you, man. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't want. I know how difficult it is. I know for me it was yeah. really difficult too. When I lost my Chihuahua, that's the last dog I had was a precious little Chihuahua. Yeah, I got to tell you, it's 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 uh, uh, it's been crushing, and um, yeah. I've had some great support from a lot of people, including you, and I I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we love thank you. you. 
and we yeah. love pumpkin yes. and yeah. all right so so difficult but um our guest our guest is uh for today is dr o'connor uh he runs the uh library it's called the jesse marcel library in montana and he's just a great guy he comes to the conference um the jesse Martel, marcel library uh is of course dedicated to jesse marcel he was actually new jesse marcel um jr and mm-hmm. i didn't know to what extent until this interview which we'll hear but of course jesse marcel uh the senior was the first uh Air Force officer on the scene to collect the material at the crash in Roswell. He was the guy uh, who, along with others, you know, said, hey, this is not of this world, and he maintained that for his entire life. Uh, However, he was part of the cover-up. He said, you know, he was told to say this was a weather balloon, and he said, yes, sir, that's what I'm going to do. And Mm -hmm. uh, did that for many years until just uh, not too long before he passed when he um, came out about uh, what he felt it really was um so dr marcel uh jr who i knew very well who is mr marcel senior's son was just a wonderful wonderful person yeah one of the my favorite people i have ever met i mean just an honest great down-to-earth guy and uh and richard o'connor who we're interviewing today was a friend of his and he's also seems to be just really nice guy yeah, it's. Um, I actually spoke um, with uh, O'Connor, real nice guy, and he also um, said basically he didn't really have any interest in the UFO field until he met uh, Jesse Marcel Jr. And um, he said, the, you know, the words coming from him, he trusted him 100% and respected him highly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's done a, a great job with that library and dedication to him. Yeah. Yep, it's pretty cool stuff. And, you know, uh, what's funny is is that there's another big story. I was thinking, you know, because it a good headline for this story would have been Water Droplet Bursts <laughs> UFO Bubble. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Because yeah. this was a really cool um, picture that I, when I saw it, I thought, wow, this is amazing. And then I show it to Mark D'Antonio, and he says, water droplet. So, um, But Dr. O'Connor was the one who took and that he picture. he was right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and who, once he heard that, did some testing, and, and Dr. O'Connor said, oh, man, you're right. So we talk about that experience and how that all went as well. Yeah, yeah, that is a great story. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun. It, it's really fun. So we've got that coming up in a minute. But before that... We have UFO news. That's right. And we let you start off. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So um, this is uh, about an orb UFO that hovers at 500 feet near a Pennsylvania witness. Mm. This happened back on July 31st of this year, around 830. This couple of guys were out smoking, and they saw this. Uh, this was in Monroeville, which is in uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, they were uh, smoking, like I said, and all of a sudden they saw this uh, orb, and it started humming and changing colors, and that, you know, at first made me think of a drone. I don't really know because it said it stopped fast in midair and and went after a couple of seconds and then shot to the west and stopped and then shot off the rest of the way, and they pictured it, and it's a perfectly round 
uh, image. Now, I know uh, cameras at a distance can uh, distort things uh, in the way they look and everything, and lights can distort things. But if you look at the pictures, um, you will see that it is a perfectly shaped round uh, orange orb like you hear about so often. And uh, <clears throat> and it did make a humming noise, which is the only thing that makes me think it could have been some type of drone. And uh, this is in Allegheny County in Pennsylvania. And uh, it is a MUFON sighting reported, uh, uh, written here by Roger Marsh. Uh, what did you think of that, uh, the images of that? Yeah, I think the photos are interesting. I think that uh, it's hard to say. Uh, the orbs, I think, are just the point of light which he is capturing um, out of focus. Uh, I think that's what the orb is. So I don't think it was really an orb. Uh, I think the first couple of photos where you see uh, almost something more square-like or something being reflected right. uh, are probably more accurate as far as the shape or at least the shape of whatever is reflecting off the object. Um, but it's interesting. These are daylight photos. And this is something brightly reflective or or self-luminous, you know, during the day. Uh, almost looking like it's more self-luminous. Uh, it could be reflective. So it's hard to say what it is. I mean, from the pictures, you just have something bright in the sky. It could be anything uh, reflecting light. But uh, from the movement um, this person describes, it sounds kind of interesting. It sounds like, uh, I don't know what this could have been. Pretty weird. Yeah, I wonder if... Um Anyone has really studied the image, uh, the images like Mark D'Antonio or anyone like that? Do you happen to know? I don't know. From what I understand, I think this one is still under investigation um, by mm. MUFON. I don't mm -hmm. think they've made a determination or because or, there's no comments from an investigator. And often um, Roger will put those comments in if there are some. But, um, yeah, so I think this one's still under investigation. So... It'll be interesting to hear some follow-up. Hopefully, we can get some follow-up on this one. Well, actually, it does mention uh, Director Sam uh, Colismo Jr. Oh, it does. As a, as oh, yeah, here we go. Yep. So he must have and stated he, it was an unknown. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And that's uh, there's a little misconception about that. I've had a conversation with uh, someone from MUFON about that, and I'm sure you know that just because it's... it's uh, it's as an unknown doesn't mean that case closed and it won't be investigated anymore and then or another uh, another determination cannot be made it's it's still in a way open yeah I think Robert Powell always says that who runs the scientific review board there and uh, because they'll look at the cases to find the best cases um, and yeah he always says that cases are never closed uh, there just could be pending more information so you're right. So, um, yeah, at least this investigator felt like it was an unknown. But looking at this analysis, I don't see that they did like a really careful um, examination of the photos, although we don't have access to the full report, so we can't know that for sure. Mm. But uh, the investigator felt it was an unknown hmm, because he said it was moving and then stopped and hovered. Which he's right, that is kind of a strange behavior right. for a craft. Um, and this does seem to be further away than, although he said 500 feet. So yeah. a drone could do that. Hmm. Hmm. 
I we'll call know. it unknown for, from this end. Yeah, yeah, we don't know yet. We don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So there was another one, some videos, and uh, these videos also from Pennsylvania, um, and this was July 31st at 9 p.m. So this is at night um, that these people were looking at a low-flying plane, and then they noticed that there were some um, some sort of uh, objects below. Um, from the video, you can't tell much. You just see these these lights that could be... It's really hard to tell from the, the video, and this one's under investigation. I mean, it could be lights. It could be stars. It's hard to tell, but uh, at least this person thought mm. it was something strange, and you can hear them kind of freaking out uh, in the video. Uh, it's kind of funny to listen to the person in the video. Now, where did you say this one took place? This is in Bristol, Pennsylvania. Oh, oh also in yeah, yeah, right. So also yeah. in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, what's up with you that? Know, I know you talked to like Stan Gordon or someone like that, and uh, it's a very active state. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe um, maybe UFOs favorite yeah. somehow, and Bigfoot and all that. Yeah, yeah, they, they, <laughs> they dig it for whatever they reason. Out there. Yeah, I used to do some work out there. It's okay. I guess there's some thick forest and everything out there. Yeah, there's some good Amish pies, too. Mm. Yeah, that's maybe what they're attracted to. So I guess the last one I want to talk about really isn't news, but uh, are you familiar with his Canary Islands UFO sighting from 1976? Uh, 1973? Was it 1976? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. That's the one that was filmed by a, uh, was it Air, uh, no, a Navy or something? Yeah. Yes, it was uh-huh. uh, the Air Force, but it was you know it was seen by lots of military. But yeah, this one's really weird. It's this really bright light that uh, you could see. It's this famous kind of UFO uh, history type of photograph, historical photograph. And uh, we posted a story on it. This was written by Jason McClellan, and this because it comes from the magazine. So I'm starting to post stories. From our magazines, especially the oh, ones yeah. that are out of print and on topics that we don't have online. And uh, we don't have a story about this Canary Island sighting online. So I uh, took that from the last issue of the magazine, which sold out. So we don't have any, probably no plans to print anymore. So, uh, but this story, it's a great story done by Jason. And uh, it's, it's, he referenced uh, largely the Rockefeller document, um, you know, this report that Rockefeller, Lawrence Rockefeller commissioned to uh, write about the best cases, and mm-hmm. uh, this is one of them. But, yeah, a lot of the military in the Canary Islands saw this object. There was a picture taken. Um, and then there was also kind of a side story where nearby a doctor was taking a taxi to a patient's home, and he said he saw this fear. But that inside of the sphere, he could see, like, people in it moving around and walking Whoa. around or something. And he drew a sketch. And supposedly, once he got to the patient's home, you know, he had them come outside and they saw it also. So wow, yeah, I never heard that part of it. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, so it's a really interesting case. The photograph is pretty uh, uh, amazing. It's just huge 
you know light over the horizon so it's a pretty incredible picture and you guys could check that out very credible at least as far as who took the picture um, another interesting thing is that uh, James Oberg who is a well-known uh, space journalist who writes for NBC and everything uh, we're fortunate enough and and quite frankly honored enough to have him review our site quite a bit and uh, although he often debunks because he's a skeptic, but um, uh, he he has usually some really good information. But he feels that uh, he's figured out what it was, although he admits that, um, you know, he thinks it was a rocket launch, but he can't find a corresponding rocket launch. And he feels that the government isn't sharing all the information on all the rocket launches. And he, he mm. admits it's kind of strange that, uh, you know, it would be secret uh, these rocket launches if this is what it is so I don't know you might be able to um, anyways that's his argument and people can go and look at this um, on our page and see James Oberg's comments and and how he feels that what he feels this actually is but uh, yeah really interesting pictures really interesting case people can read around read about at openminds.tv <laughs> now, can they actually have s such a thing as a secret rocket launch? Oh, there's plenty think? of them. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I just thought it would be public knowledge no matter what. I mean, they can't be observed, but uh, there are off the book, especially defense does it with satellites and things like this. I mean, usually they know they're, they're launched, but they don't, like, publicize it or anything. And uh, if asked, you know, they may admit there was a rocket launch and there's just like, you know, pay, undisclosed, pay, undisclosed payloads. But uh, I don't think you can find a regular schedule of those things. Um, the strictly defense launches, a lot of them would they'll add equipment onto launches of, of commercial satellites and stuff from what I understand. But uh, yeah, go look it up. They definitely do. Uh, how about that? Missile wow. testing and stuff like that. I mean, there are some of the UFO, quote, UFO sightings off of the coast of California, at least one, where uh, nobody's admitted to who it was, but it was clearly a rocket of some sort. And uh, it had to be Navy, most likely a Navy test, but uh, they have not admitted to it. And so it happens. Yeah, I probably should know that, and I probably heard that before because now I'm remembering I think that uh, one of the UFO sightings uh, overseas that looks uh, really incredible ended up yeah. in a fail, failed rocket launch. That was never reported prior to. Of course, that's not America, but yeah, um, I think it was Switzerland or something like that. Yeah. It happens yeah. more out there uh, in other countries, especially in Asia, because they, they deny everything they do out there, but it happens here too, <laughs> which is surprising. Yeah, so, about yeah. that. But no problem for not remembering. We're getting old, man. I know. You know yeah, one day at a time. Memory fades. Yeah, and I'm turning into a woodchuck or something. So, yeah, yeah, beaver. Beaver, yeah. You're a busy <laughs> beaver. You're a busy That's guy, right. right? I am. You're always, out getting yeah. it done. That's right, man. Providing for your woman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure she appreciates it. Does she? Uh, no comment here. <laughs> yeah. I know she likes to give you a hard time. 
Yeah. That's why you're used to it when I do it, because she, she does that to you all the time. That's right. She loves it. It's just funny. Yeah, keep the beaver down. That's right. All right. Yeah. Well, you're out of time, and uh, we're done with news pretty much anyway, so thank you so much for joining us for the news again. All right. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon, buddy. You bet. All right. Take care. I am excited to welcome to the show Dr. Richard O'Connor. Hello. Hi, Alejandro. Nice to be with you. Yeah. How are you doing? Doing really well. It's a beautiful day here, and uh, yeah, everything's going quite well. Uh huh. And you're in Montana. I'm in Helena, Mon- just outside of Helena, Montana. Okay. Yeah. So this is probably the perfect weather time uh, this time of year out there, huh? Yeah, pretty much, except for, uh, you know, usually in August we get a lot of forest fires up here, and certainly this year is no different with a big big fire over near Hamilton and the Bitterroot. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we always have that to contend with in the summer. Yeah. Um, I guess to begin with, before we get really into the UFOs and everything, uh, maybe you could give us a little bit about your professional background. Sure. Um I came to uh, Helena in 1988 and took a position here with St. Peter's Hospital as a, uh, <clears throat> a board-certified anesthesiologist. And, um, you know, I had just finished my uh, fellowship at UC Davis in California and finished my residency at the University of Miami in uh, anesthesiology. And so kind of right out of my training, I decided to take a job here in Helena. Uh, I'd always kind of wanted to live in the Rocky Mountains and enjoy living in the mountains with all of the hiking and, you know, beautiful scenery and things like that. So um, I have enjoyed living in Helena and working here. And St. Peter's was a great place to work. And, of course, in anesthesia, um, you work closely with uh, surgeons. And I met a, a number of surgeons here over the years. I worked at St. Peter's for about 28 years. And uh, one of the surgeons that I met early on in my career, in fact, you know, probably the day or two after I arrived here was Dr. Jesse A. Marcel Jr., who uh, was an ENT surgeon here in Helena. And I think he had been here for probably 15 years in practice before I ever arrived here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I met Dr. Marcel and worked with him, you know, over many years and uh, got to be, you know, good friends with him. And I knew him well. And uh, also his wife, Linda, and his kids and uh, kids I knew, you know, less well. But, of course, I, I met all, all of them. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, after getting to know Dr. Marcel, uh, it had been, I don't know, a while, probably a year after I met him before I ever really put two and two together and realized that he was the <laughs> individual who, uh, whose father brought home this material from the, uh, Roswell UFO crash site, um, <clears throat> and spilled it out on the kitchen floor and showed it to, uh, Dr. Marcel and to his mother and explained that, um, he was quite certain that this was not from planet Earth. And uh, so when I when I put that together, and I, I don't re- recall exactly how that happened, but I think I had heard his name mentioned on a documentary that I saw on television or something. And uh, so I, you know, I approached him. I said, uh, 
you know, are you the individual that this uh, <clears throat> this documentary was referring to, who handled this material from Roswell? And he said, yes, that's that was me. And so, of course, he told me the the whole story. Really, no different than what he's told, you know, millions of other people, either personally or through videos that have been shown repeatedly on different um, series on television or, you know, you can see interviews with Dr. Marcel on YouTube. Um, they're all quite accessible. And uh, so what he told me was basically what he's told everyone, you know, that this happened. Uh, he held this stuff in his hands. He inspected it very closely. And um, he became convinced, um, I think, Probably at that time, it had more to do with his father's opinion about what they saw and what they held in their hands. But um, he became convinced that uh, this material was not from this planet. And having known Dr. Marcel, as I did for many, many years, you know, well, 20, 25 plus years, um, and having had many conversations with him about this and, you know, other um, topics that would be related to UFOs, um, yeah, I'm quite certain that it did happen, just as he said it did. Uh, I, I just am 100% certain that he would never have uh, tried to mislead, um, you know, the public or his family or me or any anybody that he worked with there at the hospital who he talked to about this. He would have never done that. He was not that kind of a, a man. And so uh, what he what he says that happened. Um, I'm, I'm quite certain that it did happen. Mm -hmm. So was his father alive when you all met? Uh, no. Uh, well, no, he, he may have been, but I never met his father. I'm, I'm not exactly sure when his father passed away, but I don't think that he was alive. I did meet his mother. Mm -hmm. um, she actually came to the hospital operating room one evening when I was on call, and uh, she'd fractured her hip. And needed to have her hip repaired, but unfortunately, when I met her, she was in her um, 80s, and she was, um, <clears throat> you know, she had had dementia for several years, and so um, she was, you know, I wasn't able to talk to her about what happened in Roswell because she was, by the time I met her in in that stage of her life, she was um, too. You know, the, the, she pretty had pretty advanced dementia at that time, and just wasn't able to recall things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew Jesse pretty well too, as the listeners know. Um, I uh, hosted his website, so I put up his website when he released his book, and luckily I got to spend oh. a lot of time with him. But um, so I know what you mean when you say, you know, uh, about the honesty and integrity that he had, and for mm -hmm. me. Uh, you know, there are those people where that are just honest. They're honest people sure. who, when they tell you something, you know, it's the truth. And I don't no. think you necessarily run a, run into too many people like that in your life. I mean, they're there, but it, it is a special characteristic that mm -hmm. he certainly had. Yeah. I yeah, truth was truth was paramount to him, you know, and it, it was one of the reasons I think that his 
story was always the same. It was never, you know, more embellished with any other, you know, fine points or details. It was just pretty much told the same, the same story, exactly what he recalled from that night and, and didn't really try to, uh, inflate it with any other nonsense, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that went on for, well, from 1978, I think, or shortly after, I think was right around the time that his father started talking publicly about this. And so, uh, you know, for more than 30 years, Dr. Marcel was, uh, trying to awaken people to the fact that this, this did happen. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, quite a momentous event in the history of, of mankind. So, uh, definitely something that it's, you know, the term Roswell and the Roswell UFO crash, it's almost become mundane to some people, but it isn't, you know, it's, it's really an important turning point in uh, mankind's history. Mm-hmm. Before you had met, um, Jesse, Jesse Jr., I guess I should say, um, did you have any knowledge or interest in the UFO topic? Not really. I, uh, no, I, w- I would say very little to none. I, I don't even know that I had even read any <clears throat> books about it before I met Dr. Marcel. Um, so certainly that was a turning point in my life as far as this subject is concerned. There was, um, sort of a, a incident that occurred when I was young as a child. And I think I was in sixth grade living in Clovis, New Mexico. And, uh, I just, I had this recollection of this one night where my bedroom in which I, you know, I had my own bedroom and, and I was, uh, asleep or falling asleep. And I just recall my bedroom turning bright red. And, um, and I, I, for some reason I associated that night with seeing a UFO and don't recall anything specific about the UFO, really no other, it was just an association in my mind, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, Oh, maybe five years ago, I'm 61 years old now. So maybe five years ago, I, I asked my mom, you know, I was just sort of thinking about that event. And I asked my mother if she recalled me ever being interested in UFOs or talking about UFOs as a kid or whatever. And she said, well, just that time that you came out to breakfast that one morning and asked us if we saw the UFO last night. Hmm. And, uh, She's, you know, she just came out with that spontaneously, like she remembered it. And that this would have been, you know, 50 years ago. So I don't know what that all means. And I really haven't delved into it and, and probably won't because it's, it's, it's really doesn't seem to be of any consequence in my life. But, uh, you know, did, did something happen then possibly? Um, I just don't know, but maybe that's part of an explanation of why I've become so um, interested in the subject. But certainly, ninety percent of it has to do with my, um, you know, my acquaintance with Dr. Marcel and and my confidence that 
his word is uh, is as good as gold. You know, I have no reason to think otherwise. Mm-hmm. And another uh, interesting characteristic, uh, and a little bit surprising to me, just because um, of the way everything was portrayed, or often is, he really didn't seem to have any anger or frustration towards the military or the government um, in relation to what took place. Yeah, none none whatsoever. Um, he's, In fact, you know, if he and I had any differences, it, it would be, I think, in, in our view of um, the military. And it's not that I'm anti-military. Uh, I'm not. Um, but he was very very supportive of the military and as you know he was in the air national guard for years and flew helicopters for the air national guard and served in iraq when he was you know pretty late in age i think he went over there when he was like 67 and was there for i want to say 18 months it was a pretty good long while you know for for a guy that was in his late 60s when he went over there right but he was a you know very patriotic very uh, all American kind of a an individual, and certainly did um, support uh, the military in every way possible. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he didn't really have any um, any anger or uh, resentment, I think, towards the military for them having kind of set up his father to begin this cover up that's been going on now for such a long time. Um, but I think. He he agreed with the strategy, I believe, the apparent strategy, I should say, that this information, although it was originally covered up, would be slowly sort of dripped out to the public over decades, and um, with the with the end goal of of having done this in a way that. Uh, people will find uh, palatable and um, at a rate at which they can sort of our society I should say should can kind of incorporate all of this into the world view of the majority of our citizens and I think that's what's been happening and and it seems to be accelerating now so Mm -hmm. um, so you feel there is a purposeful leaking of information about UFOs? Um, yes, I, I, I would say that um, if there's not a purposeful leaking, at least any efforts to uh, to retard the evolution of the increasing awareness and information that keeps coming out from UFO researchers just seems to be no longer existent. You know, I just don't mm-hmm. feel that there's any evidence nowadays of um, any sort of censorship about this going on or any active efforts to suppress uh, new information that's coming out. So, I mean, in that, even in that, I think we could say that 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 could be part of a of a uh, you know little d disclosure plan. And um, but then you know we see new things coming up on, for example, the FBI's website where they have. Uh, certain documents that have been put up there that um, are indicative that UFOs are real and and that this is something that the FBI has taken seriously and 
investigated uh, quite a lot. Uh, we see the same same sort of things coming up recently on the CIA's website with uh, uh, a new section there that has to do with, you know, uh, if you see a UFO, the sort of information that you should try to remember to take down and and that kind of thing. So these these sorts of um, they're subtle changes, but they're real, and I think they mean something important. And that is that uh, I think our our government is no longer trying to suppress this information and dis- no longer making, you know, the great efforts that used to be made to discourage people or dissuade them from looking at this. I would agree with you. I think some people would not, but I actually, for those reasons you just cited, uh, would agree with you that at least some sectors seem to be opening up to, um, at least like you say, uh, being less restrictive or just completely dissuading people from the topic. Um, and if listeners doubt and they're like, what's he talking about? You know, you can go to openminds.tv and, and look up FBI or CIA and and um, you'll find just what you had said uh, that, yeah, they've been posting UFO stuff, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is interesting and I think it means something. Mm-hmm. So at some point, uh, you then began to get more into this topic, and I would assume it was due to your relationship with uh, Dr. Marcel. Well, yeah, in part, it's due to my relationship with Dr. Marcel. Um, You know, I I recognized before he died in August of 2013 um, that he was, you know, looking older, moving slower. Uh, He had this problem with a a neuropathy in his legs when he came back from Iraq. Um, He was starting to have a little bit of difficulty walking and, you know, it was just becoming obvious that he, that he wasn't going to be around for a long, long time. And so I approached him and I said, you know, it seems to me that there should be some sort of a, a means of trying to carry on your, your story into the future and, a center for helping, you know, a repository for information for people who become interested in this and want to learn more about it, um, to have a library, you know, uh, and I would name it, you know, after you and, and your father, coincidentally, and they had the same exact same name, middle, first, middle, and last. And so, uh, he said, well, you know, if you, if you want to do that, that would be great. You know, I'm sh- he said, I'm sure my father would be honored, you know, so that that's kind of the humble guy that he was, you know, he, he wasn't going to take any credit for this, but, um, he, he said, yeah, if you want to do that, go ahead. So I did. And, uh, I happened to have a, a nice building, uh, near my place here that, um, is well suited for that sort of a purpose. And so, you know, I, bought some bookshelves and put up some signs and uh, it's open to the public on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 10 p.m. and I try to be there every Tuesday evening and have something kind of interesting to present you know that I think is good information to help people learn more about this topic Mm -hmm. and um, so yeah that's that's kind of what drove me to do that. I, I think the other thing is, is though that I just realized that this, su- this subject, uh, 
is so important for our society to eventually come to terms with. And I think the sooner that happens, the better uh, for in many ways, you know. Um, and I think that uh, the the overall um, good that can come of it, I think, is definitely going to outweigh any sort of um, complications that it introduces uh, initially when when most of the population finally goes, wow, okay, this is real. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I think it, it may have a lot of benefits um, to our world, actually. And uh, so I, I would say that, you know, knowing Dr. Marcel in, sort of inspired it, yes, but I think that there were many other probably more important reasons of why I decided to go ahead and, and open a library that was dedicated to UFOs. Uh, crop circles is another topic of interest that we have some information and books about. Um, and, of course, the uh, abduction phenomenon is another aspect of this that uh, I think people are curious about and want to know more about. And um, so <clears throat> we have information on the abduction phenomenon as well. Lots of DVDs, and videos that people can look at and check out, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've had really good luck with people returning books and videos and things that they borrow. Um, I've only had to make a couple of phone calls in probably four years, you know. Wow. So, wow. you know, I think um, most people out there are responsible and, and they're – if you make this material available to them, um, they enjoy it and, and they learn from it. And they've been very good about returning uh, any materials that they borrow from the library. So that's been great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is Jesse A. Marcel Library and also the Crop Circle Research Foundation. Um, why did you decide to also add, or when did you decide as well to add the crop circle uh, phenomenon? Well, actually, that came before the library. Um, oh, wow. I became interested in crop circles uh, probably quite a bit earlier than I did UFOs. You know, I found them very intriguing. And um, I would say, you know, maybe around 2002 when the um, Crabwood uh, formation came down uh, near Winchester, England, uh, which was the one people might know is the alien face crop circle. Um, when I saw that, I just was astounded. You know, I was just like, there's no way that people did this. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. And um, then when Paul Vigay, uh, the computer programmer, you know, understood that there was actually a message, a binary code message encoded in this disk that this apparent uh, gray alien is holding. Um, that that was also something that I just was like, "Wow, this is this is just amazing." And um, then when I, you know, as time went by, and here we are now in 2016, the technique that was used in that 2002. Uh, crabwood crop circle to encode or to present the the image that was present in the crop field on this huge pallet uh, I think it was something like 290 feet long and 
or no, 290 feet wide, and I think it was like 360 feet long, something like that. It was just quite a large crop circle. Um, the the technique that was used are these lines going across horizontally that vary in width and create an image. Sort of reminds you of what they do in the Wall Street Journal with this pointillism, you know, for creating images. And um, I've not seen that technique used again in 14 years. I have never seen that come down in a crop circle again. So to me, that speaks also for this being one of the crop circles that I, I would regard as a, would it, a genuine or a non-human made crop circle. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that there have been very many of them. But really, all we need is one to jar us into realizing that that we're not alone here and that uh, our world is being contacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you believe there is a uh, – the crop circles are related to perhaps some sort of extraterrestrial message? Yes, I do, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least some of them. Yeah, um, you know – I, I can't tell you how many crop circles are not made by people versus how many are made by people. I suspect that nowadays the probably the vast majority of them are made by people. But that doesn't lessen the importance of the phenomenon because, like I said, all we need is one of them that's not made by people. And if and there have been several, several that I think are uh candidates for you know, if people made them, I would I would be absolutely floored that people would be able to do this. And um, so, <clears throat> you know, if, if there's just one of them that is not made by people, then that's huge. And it's something that really uh, I think that our world should pay attention to and, and start making headway into what does this mean you know what it, what's what are we being told here what did that message mean who are they referring to um yeah all of those things i think are of immense importance and they just haven't gotten the traction that has been required for the world to really embrace this and start to go after it but i think one day here in the near future that is going to happen mm-hmm. so what year did you open up the library I opened the library in March of 2012. Okay. So now it's been about three years or so? Uh, four years. Okay. And yeah. how has uh, the response been? Um, it's been, I would say, uh, not as, not as um, many people visit there as I would hoped, would have hoped for, but um, I'm never alone down there on a Tuesday evening. You know, there's always a group of probably, uh, oh, you know, maybe 10 core people that show up most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, but generally there's always, uh, one or two or three new people that come every Tuesday. And I think that's, uh, wonderful because those are people that, um, are curious about it, you know, and, and, um, want to learn more about it. And they, and they, so they seek out the library. And so it's been gratifying in that respect, you know, that probably over the four years, um, there's, I would guess, you know, well over 300 people on our email list 
And so um, I feel like it's it's been somewhat effective in reaching out and helping to um, give people a place where they can come and talk about the subject without, you know, feeling like they're going to be ridiculed or made fun of. Um, and it gives people a place where they can find information, ask questions, talk about their UFO sightings. And we've got a channel on you on YouTube where you know, I've been able to video record several people from our local area that have seen UFOs um, pretty up close and personal. And uh, so we've video recorded their stories. Um, just recently, last week, <clears throat> myself and Joan Bird, um, who's the author of a, a book called uh, Montana UFOs and Extraterrestrials, very good book. Mm hmm. Joan and I went to um, Great Falls and interviewed two Montana sheriffs, one who was from Shoto, Montana, and the other from Great Falls, Montana. And they were sheriffs um, in Teton and Cascade counties back in the uh, mid-70s through the early 90s. And they uh, were willing to talk to us about their experiences with um, investigations of UFO sightings and cattle mutilations. And they had quite a number of stories to relate to us. And we've, we've got that video now up on YouTube. And if people want to find it, it, the title of it is, Are UFOs Real? Question mark. Listen to these two Montana sheriffs. Uh, so if they, if they put that in the search bar of YouTube, they'll be able to find that. It's a little bit long, you know, it's a, a little over an hour long, but it, it certainly, um, I think, good information uh, coming from two men who I, I know are absolutely honest, upstanding, straight-up guys, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds so, fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's a good interview. I, I would recommend for people to go to YouTube and watch that. Are UFOs real? Listen to these two Montana sheriffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Joan's book. I did a review on it, and I think it was great, uh, a great book. She's really neat. So luckily I yeah. run into her occasionally. I, I saw you both were at the last UFO Congress. Yeah, yeah, I've been to, um, uh, I think, three UFO Congresses, and uh, I, I find them to be, um, you know, just an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Some of the things I hear there... I don't think are too credible, but some of them that I hear are just amazing, you know? Yeah, I think that's the way it, way it goes um, there. But uh, I think it's just wonderful that you have something that uh, commemorates the Marcells because uh, Jesse was just such a important uh, and amazing person to me. He was just a good, good person. So mm -hmm. it's fun to see that. And it seems that... Uh, at least from my perspective, looking at the UFO headlines out there, you have got some pretty decent uh, media attention. Yeah, um, I, ha I have, and, and some of it's been... Um, Less well, than flattering? No, no, it's, <laughs> it's been good, but um, like, for example, I, I do have two cameras up near the library, and I, I have them focused on the sky, and the purpose of them is... That, you know, it's just sort of a inexpensive research project to see if it might be possible to photograph UFOs um, in the sky. You know, that just might happen to 
go by their their motion triggered cameras so i mean it's a real shot in the dark of course mm-hmm. um i tried to make it less so and this and this has been part of the experimental protocol if you will is on the crop circles research foundation's website i've used that as a tool potential tool to communicate with extraterrestrials that might be around in the area and might have the capability or the interest in searching for you know radio wave signals coming from earth which our internet certainly does go out into space um, because it's transmitted through satellites and uh, so I thought well um, why not you know what do you got to lose just send them a message tell them the latitude and the longitude of where these cameras are located and ask them if they would come by and allow a photograph of their craft to be obtained by these two cameras um and so one day i went out there and i had this photograph that i came across that was on one of the cards and i was like wow this looks like a ufo and so i don't know if i called the newspaper i think i did call the newspaper and say hey i've got a I've got a picture of a UFO and now I regret doing that because <laughs> later on I was able to prove to myself that it wasn't a UFO. It was actually a drop of a raindrop that was in just the right configuration and just the right. I don't know. It just looks so much like a UFO, but, mm-hmm. but I've convinced myself since then that it was a raindrop. So bottom line is my experiment with my cameras has so far not been successful. Yeah. Well, that happens. I mean, it happens to the best of us. And uh, and uh, hopefully one day something will come along. But uh, yeah, in your defense, I remember that incident. I thought your picture was amazing as well. I thought, wow, this is something. And it, it just so happened that when I got a copy of the picture, uh, Mark D'Antonio was speaking at the local MUFON here who does a photo analysis and um you know he's got a trained eye so he looked at it and i was like wow this is going to get him he's going to love this uh <laughs> and, and he very quickly well i think it's a raindrop and wow. i was like what are you talking about and then he told me well you'll notice that the sun's coming I, i'm not sure if it was right or left but the sun's coming from the right but the reflections on the left which is indicative yeah. of the refraction and the raindrop and i was like oh man you're right so yeah. i I also and and colleagues thought that that photo was was really uh, something special. Um, so you never know. Um, I would have had a similar reaction as you would have. But like I tell people, um, it's it's worth it to get it out into the public so that others can see it, so that maybe someone can discover what it is. Because um, often or lo- most likely, that's going to be what happens but there's a chance that no one would have figured out what it was and then that would have been important so i think it's important to put yourself out there like that even though um some people can be so critical and mean uh about these things at times hopefully that didn't happen to you oh it did happen to me i hadn't put that i hadn't put that out um you know to the public more than 24 hours until um this quote, video analyst, expert video an- or photo analyst um, came forward and said that it was a fake. And I was like, well, you know, 
I don't know what it is, but it, I definitely know that it's not fake. I mean, this came right off the right off the camera card. And so, you know, that made me wonder if that has been part of the means by which this whole subject has been um, sort of suppressed is by having people out there who just from the get go, you know, right out of the gate will start um, bringing into question the integrity of, of the person that did the, you know, that's submitting the information. Um, because that's what happened. And I went back and forth for days and spent a lot of time defending myself um, through emails to this individual who just persisted in insisting that that I had faked all of this this photograph. And uh, but this, you know, this quote, expert photo analyst never never said, oh, I think it's a raindrop. He just said, I think it's fake. Well, I was able to prove it was a raindrop when the snow finally melted off of our roof and it was safe for me to go up there. I went up there with a turkey baster full of water and I dripped water drops down in front of the camera and the, the photos that resulted looked very, very much like the original photo. So that's what convinced me. But I probably wouldn't have gone up there had it not been for some people like Mark D'Antonio saying, oh, I think it's a water drop, you know. So you're right. You do have to make yourself kind of vulnerable and put yourself out there and say, what does everybody think of this? And I think that's how UFO research is going to move forward, you know. That is what's great about and, – and unfortunate because I saw that too, people claiming – and they often do this that it's a hoax and – the self-proclaimed, you know, um, uh, analysts, and and it's difficult because obviously, I mean, if your picture would have turned out to be something um, that was in the sky, this person would have immediately gotten that wrong, and they were wrong and uh, were proved wrong. So it's just unfortunate that. Um, and I think it prevents a lot of people from, you know, coming out or even getting involved is that you've got to face a lot of scrutiny these days online. And, and you've got to um, face a lot of people just being downright mean, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have a pretty thick skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's just so unfortunate that people are like that. However, as for your library, do you ever have skeptics come? Um, not no, not really. Mm-hmm. Everybody that comes seems to be just interested in learning more about this. You know, I mean, the world is waking up. You know, people are realizing that there's more to this than they thought. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of it's due to efforts like yours there at Open Minds, uh, the UFO Congress, uh, the work that Stephen Greer's doing, the work that Stephen Bassett's doing. Um, you know, there's just a lot of individuals, very high quality, credible people now who are embracing this and working to help our world become more enlightened about this. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, it's happening. And so, no, I, I haven't really had any. Uh, people that were negative or skeptic, uh, you know, skeptical, um, come to the library. Mm-hmm. So, 
and it helps me with motivation as well because sometimes you know you just trudge along and you do this stuff and um you wonder does it matter does it make a difference and um i mean you said earlier you think it is very important that people uh come to terms with this topic and uh know more and and you know why do you think that um i think that when when our society's attention becomes focused on who these beings are, where they're coming from, what their purpose here is, what we might learn from them, um, and and the things that we do learn from them being um, implemented into our future, I just think it's going to help mankind sort of move away from these sort of primitive uh, practices that we're trying to evolve away from, like mm. war, like nuclear weapons, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe even a new um, system in our society for uh, exchanging goods and services that is, uh, you know, a little bit more compassionate than what we have today you know there's just no telling what we may learn when we we finally get down to the serious business of trying to make contact with these beings who are evidently i mean i would say obviously interested in uh in our civilization and in not in this planet you know Mm -hmm. Um, they've been around for a long long time so um i think that it, it will just be, it'll open up a new world to people uh, and to our society. And so I think that it's definitely worth doing and, and the work that you're doing there at Open Minds and is extremely important, you know, because that's, this, unless people are engaging with this um, and talking about it and learning more about it, then we're going to stay stuck in a world that, you know, quite frankly, is has a lot of uh, room for improvement, in my opinion, as far as our social development is concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, we live on a beautiful planet, and uh, we we should we should be the stewards of the planet. I think we we are sort of by de facto the stewards of this planet, but we're doing a, an extremely poor job of it, and a lot of it is based upon concerns about you know capitalism and and uh, this sort of thing. So. The other, the other thing that I think is huge is these reports now that are coming out from, uh, Robert Hastings and the, and the, uh, Air Force officers that he's interviewed about UFOs interacting with our nuclear weapon systems. Mm-hmm. You know, and my opinion is we need those things off the planet as soon as possible. I mean, no nuclear weapons. It's such a risk to, not only to our civilization, but probably more importantly is it's a risk to this, to the biosphere of this planet. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's another positive effect that I think could come about from people engaging with the UFO subject is to start asking these really important questions about why have they done this? You know, what's the message here? And, we, you know, if we could get into contact with them, just lay the guns down and start having honest efforts to make contact with them to sit down and have a, 
in, in whatever way we could, we could devise to do it, you know, have a quote conversation unquote, uh, with whoever they are and however that might be done. But we won't answer any of those questions unless the public gets serious about this and starts to really pay, ser- you know, close attention to this mm-hmm. and, and accepts it into their worldview. But what could be more important than, um, than getting our nuclear weapons off this planet so that it, they no longer remain a threat uh, to our civilization and to the biosphere of this planet? Mm-hmm. I can't even think of hardly anything that's more important uh, than doing that right yeah it's a scary situation um that they exist at all um absolutely i, I mean people there was this stop drop and roll and everything or that, that you know hiding under your desk and everything in the, in oh, the yeah. during the cold war however i mean we're not much more safe from that uh that problem today and uh i think it's just less uh, less predominant that people think about it but it's you're right i agree with you i it's a topic that i think about often especially because like you i also appreciate hastings work but i also wanted to ask you mentioned seti and medi and and one of the evolutions in this uh the perception of, of extraterrestrials and aliens and all of that is that the SETI project used to be seen as pretty fringe, and it's not anymore. It's mainstream, and and you see so many stories coming out about it. Um, Do you feel that it almost feels like the discovery of at least a a microbe or or some sort of um, extraterrestrial life is, uh, we're on the cusp of it now. Do you think if we were to discover something like that, that would help um, move people along in the direction that you're, you're speaking of? Oh, absolutely. I do. Um, you know, I think it's just like all of these uh, exoplanets that are being discovered. You know, we're now up to close to 3,000, I think, uh, planets that have been discovered. Um, so each one of these new bits of information that people are exposed to is going to crack open their minds a little bit wider and a little bit wider to the realization that we're not alone in the universe. And, and I think almost everybody is getting there, you know, in their, in their worldview at this point, but there, we still have a long way to go in getting people to accept that. Yes, there's other life in the universe. And yes, some of that life is coming here and they're watching and there's, they're observing what, what's going on down here. Mm-hmm. Um, getting people to that sort of understanding uh, it's still going to require a lot of work. And so uh, don't leave what you're doing. Uh, it, it's necessary. Well, you know what? This was a great way to end of the week because uh, it, it's a great positive note because, you know, especially in this world where I'm a, I'm a bit of a news hound and there's so much negativity, uh, you know, I can kind of see this, this how uh, a more uh, – global wider perspective if humanity had it could help and uh then how this work uh, along with the work of science is kind of helping people with that so i feel much better thank you very much <laughs> good good well, <laughs> glad i could help that's what I, doctors are for you know? yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> so i also feel very positive about your work it's wonderful that you have this library uh Name of the Jesse A. Marcel Library in Helena, Montana. And where can people go to find out more? 
Um, so the library has a website. It's jaml.org. Okay. And, um, yeah, Crop Circles Research Foundation um, also has a website. So if you if they just Google Crop Circles Research Foundation, they'll they'll find that website as well. Okay, and jaml.org. Correct. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, yeah, my pleasure. It was wonderful talking to you, and and like I said, now I have a great uh, aspect on life going into the weekend. So that's just going to make for a wonderful weekend. Great. Well, I hope I hope it is for you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you so much to Dr. Connor. It was a lot of fun to talk to him, and it's always fun to reminisce about the great man, uh, Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr., and to, of course, talk about Roswell. And it's fun to talk to people like this who have uh, kind of some firsthand experiences with the witness and, you know, can confirm just what a great guy uh, Jesse Marcel was and an honest person. So. Uh, it was a lot of fun to talk to Dr. O'Connor and, uh, you know, uh, also get kind of that uh, positive uh, information or perspective on the future of this field. And uh, we'll see what happens. Remember, you can see information about the library at jaml.org. That's jaml.org. And you can Google, as he said, the Crop Circle Research um, Center for information on his work there, which is also some interesting stuff. So be sure to check that out, especially if you live in Montana or you're going to be in the area. You know, go stop by the library, uh, jaml.org. Otherwise, thank you so much to Martin Willis of Podcast UFO for once again joining us for the news. And, um, you know, again, uh, our condolences, my condolences for. Uh, Peanut, you know, he was just the cutest little Chihuahua guy, and I know um, he was meant a lot to to Martin and his wife, and so uh, just it's really sad, and I uh, I'm sad that I won't be able to see him at the next UFO Congress. So, but we should be able to see Martin. I know Martin's planning on coming, so uh, be sure to go to UFOCongress.com to look up information. We've got many of the speakers listed. We have more speakers coming uh, that will be listed. Uh, we have some really exciting stuff we're working on. Of course, the most exciting stuff takes longer to put together. So uh, the most exciting stuff will come later. Although I'm pretty damn excited about what we got already. I think we've got a great group of speakers. I'm so excited to have you know some of the people we haven't had before. Um, and I'm really excited to to see new stuff from people we have had at the conference before. So it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of really good stuff in store there. Go to UFOCongress.com and get your tickets now because they're the cheapest now. In a couple months, the prices will go up. But right now is the early bird special. And as I tell you guys... If you're planning on coming, be sure to go book the hotel. In fact, do that right now because the hotel sells out very quickly. And in fact, even though it's really early, I would not be surprised if we hear at any moment now that the hotel, hotel uh, the host hotel is sold out. Of course, there's a number of great hotels nearby and they will shuttle you to the conference. Um, but it's always fun to stay where the conference is so you can just kind of crash. Um, some people party quite a bit, you know. 
and uh, they like to be able to go crash in their room um, so there's no danger of them having to crash out in the desert and, you know, waking up in the, in the morning out and they're like it, surrounded by cacti uh, with their face in the dirt and, you know, scorpions in their hair. Actually, the scorpions are are very nice out here. They're they they're timid. They actually don't bite people often. They're cute as heck, but don't make them mad because uh, it hurts. From what I hear, when you get stung with, by those little suckers, they're tiny too. They're just little guys. But anyway, uh, I I got off topic a little bit there with the scorpions. Um, nobody at our conference has been bitten by scorpions. By the way, I don't know that anybody's even seen one at the conference, nor any other dangerous desert animal or creature so no worries there also for the past conferences let's say for some odd reason you've never been to the ufo congress i don't know why you wouldn't come but uh maybe you've got something going that that time maybe you're in another country and it's really difficult to get there well luckily for you we have the open mind ufo video portal and for just a couple dollars just a few dollars a month you have access to the majority of the speakers from the past years. Now, we don't have them all up. We have all the speakers from last year. We have a lot of the speakers from previous years, but we're still working on getting them up. So the beauty is we've got dozens and dozens of lectures posted at our, our UFO video portal. You can go uh, subscribe and have access to all of them and begin watching them. But by the time you binge watch all of them, we're going to have all of them up. So we're posting more all the time. So uh, the UFO video portal is awesome. You know, uh, a lot of you are asking, how can we help open minds and um, make sure you stick around? And as you know, this this radio show is free. Going to our website, that news is free. Most everything we do, we do open and free to the public. Um, however... If you want to help us out, you know, that would be wonderful if you could go subscribe to our video portal that you can find at openminds.tv. And uh, that way, you know, it helps bring some income to make sure that this keeps going. Because really, right now, it's a drain on the pocketbook for our sponsor. And uh, just thank you so much to John Rayo, who's the guy who uh, keeps Open Minds open. He provides us space, and uh, uh, it is it is. Uh, brainchild and everything and uh we wouldn't be able to do this without him and it would greatly help uh if you guys could help us out also so go to openminds.tv and look for the video portal otherwise we've got all kinds of stuff going on if you watch our youtube channel you may be used to the ufo report coming out on a weekly basis we've changed stuff up so now we have a photo archive so ufo photos that we take out of our archives and we make a video around those we do those uh periodically uh we also do the ufo report you know more sporadically and then we also have other videos that we're putting out so for instance uh we have what i think is just one a great interview with sci-fi legend doug trumbull so Doug Trumbull's been on this show, but uh, I got to sit down with him and ask him some questions about, you know, uh, Stanley Kubrick and Steven Spielberg and, and this sort of thing I haven't asked before. We've videotaped that. Michael put together this amazing video where it's almost like a little documentary, and that's up on YouTube for free. So please check that out. I think it's really cool. I think it's it's one of my favorite interviews ever, if not my favorite interview 
ever just because he's a special effects you know guru for my favorite movies and and he worked with the directors of my favorite movies some of my favorite directors and i got to talk to him about them so this interview is great so check that out and then we're going to have something new coming up called open minds magazine this is a news magazine on youtube so it's video where we're really going to be going in depth we've got interviews with some of the uh most important people that relate to these topics and i think you're going to love these videos the first one is going to be kind of starting from the beginning blue book and in particular the most impressive sightings uh and one sighting that we're going to delve into uh is the 1952 washington dc sightings and i think we're going to give you more detail and information than you've gotten anywhere else so this is going to be hopefully really new and eye-opening and and uh we're going to move from there and i think bring some perspective and investigation and insight into how the government uh, and how the public and how we all deal with this topic um, more so than you'll get anywhere else. I mean, that's what we tried to do and I think we accomplished with the magazine. It's something we try to do with this show uh, and uh, I'm really excited about it. I mean, we've, we've already shot the first episode it's being edited together, and I think you guys are going to love that, and that's going to be out in a couple of weeks too. So lots of really exciting things that we're doing here at OpenMinds.tv. I think one thing you could say is we're always moving forward. We're always putting out content, and we're the one constant. You know, We're one of the few constants in this field that are always putting stuff out and getting information out for you all. And uh, that brings me to uh, you. Thank you all so much for being here to enjoy our podcast and to listen to um, and watch our videos and, and read our website and all of this stuff. Thank you all so much. Uh, I also want to thank Caleb Hanks, who does the opening and closed music. Otherwise, we will be back next week with another exciting episode. Oh, by the way, next week is the MUFON Symposium. So we'll have a show next week, but probably not the week after because we're going to be busy at the MUFON Symposium towards the end of last week. I'll be speaking there. But, of course, you've heard a lot about the symposium the last couple of weeks with the shows that we've done. But uh, you'll probably agree. It seems like some pretty exciting stuff. So, anyway, please do come say hi if I see you at this. You see me at the symposium. Um, but otherwise, thank you all so very much for joining us. Until next time, adios muchachos. Oh, shit, man.